Welcome back to episode four of That's Business Podcast. In today's episode, it's called Finding Your Voice in the Corporate World. And we have a special guest on here, Barbara Bolt. And just a little background on Barbara and how I came to meet her. We had a mutual friend through LinkedIn and we hit it off almost immediately. So I, this woman is so wildly fascinating and I just sat there with my jaw dropped like, I need to do more with my life. So a little background on Barbara. In the early 90s, she actually moved to Italy. She studied Italian and eventually became quite fluent, but still experienced miscommunication almost every single day. In her early years, she taught English to managers who were working in multinational companies. And hearing those stories gave Barbara this insight into what challenges clients face having to work in a second or third language. Thus, her passion for helping people communicate successfully came to fruition, and now she runs her own company. So Barbara, thank you so much for joining this podcast. I'm so excited for it, but tell us a little bit about you outside of all the amazingness that you've done so far in your career. (laughs) Well, Angela, thank you so much for inviting me onto your podcast. This is a real pleasure. As you said, we are new friends and uh, we we have a hard time shutting up, don't we? (laughs) We do, yes. (laughs) When we talk, it's like, oh my gosh, this thing goes to that thing goes to that thing. (laughs) Well, as you mentioned, I uh, did this crazy thing in the middle of my life. I expatriated myself to Europe. It was on the Mm -hmm. basis of having taken a vacation to Italy and having fallen in love with an Italian, which I'm sure some people can relate to. Um, The the downside of the story is, and I'm sure people can relate to this as well, is that the romance didn't work out uh, (laughs) in the end. However, at that point, I had moved myself there. I had shipped 800 pounds of stuff and um, I was, you know, in Italy. So I made a decision not to just run back home. I Mm -hmm. had started studying Italian and that's what really grounded me uh, to stay. I just was fascinated learning a language where I could actually speak it. Right. It's very different than just learning a language, um, you know, outside the environment. So I stayed after I moved out of the relationship, I stayed another three months in the place where I was studying Italian, which was in Perugia. Perugia mm-hmm. became kind of famous uh, more recently because of that horrible um, murder thing that happened. Amanda Knox. The Amanda, Amanda Knox, Knox story. Yes. <gasps> yes. That was Perugia. Okay. Wow. And I studied there before she. Before. Before yes. they were all there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, so I, I, I studied for six months. I'd invested this money in the course and, and living there. And I'm like, well, now if I go home, I'm not ever going to become really fluent. So it's I true. had to figure out where I was going to go next. And long story short, I ended up in Milan. Uh, okay. Didn't know anybody. Didn't have a job. Didn't have a place to live. Wow. However, I went there. I actually sent out resumes that I had typed on an electric typewriter, if you can imagine, which I'm sure you can't. Uh, This was 1994. Mm -hmm. So no electronics. Right. And ended up uh, on the first day I went to Milan, I got a job because I had faxed my resume (laughs) to several companies. On the third day, I met a woman who was looking for a roommate, a flatmate, a British Mm -hmm. woman. So I found a place to live and thus started my 11-year life in Milan. Uh, And that's where I taught English. You mentioned in my bio intro that um, I did teach English and and I did that for about five years. And of course, my experience was with primarily with Italians, although I did teach other nationalities in the summers. 
But what I always say is if you can teach Ital- an Italian to communicate in a clear, linear way, you can teach that to anybody. I and I that. honestly think that's how I develop this ability to just hear when things are not in order, when, sure. okay. when there's a concept missing, a word missing, something like that. Because with Italians, when you listen to them, they'll go over here and they'll go over here and they'll go over here. And our brains have to take that information and organize it right. for us to process it as we're what we call low context communicators. And we, as Americans, we prefer information in a certain order and the Italians don't mm-hmm. deliver it that way initially, right? They have to be taught to do that. Okay. So my brain just developed this facility for hearing what's missing, hearing the gaps and reordering. And sometimes it's a little bit annoying. <laughs> because <laughs> I just, yeah, I'm listening to a radio program or I'm listening to whatever. And I'm like, oh, right. that would have been better here. And oh yeah. Okay. So it's something I just do in the bathroom in the morning when I'm putting on my makeup because I, right. I'm listening to Blinkist or whatever. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, so that's just, that's how I, I develop my superpower, I guess you could say. And then I did go I on that. to live in Switzerland after Italy and I taught um, in classrooms with like people from 16 different countries. I did, I taught at a very prestigious uh, technical university in Switzerland for 16 years. So yeah, I've, I've just wow. got a ton of experience listening to people trying to get their messages out. Right. So from this experience, what kind of made you get, not only get out of teaching, but start your own company? I mean, which is, I feel like the hardest part being a fellow business owner. Oh, it is. <laughs> I didn't know that how hard it was actually. Mm-hmm. Well, while I lived in Europe, I was always what we call a freelancer. So right. I, I sort of had my own business even over there. However, okay. especially in Switzerland, I did a ton of academic teaching. So mm-hmm. my academic teaching formed the baseline for my income. And right. then the consulting was sort of on the side. I did do oh, a lot okay. of, in those diet days, I did a lot of intercultural training. So I would mm-hmm. go into companies and, and train multicultural teams. Uh, I also did a lot of expat training, which is preparing people to live in another culture. And I would do that for like Americans coming to Switzerland. I would do it for the Swiss going back to the States. I did it for lots of different cultures. And I did that really the last year I did a lot of that was 2017. So I actually did that even after I lived, I came back to the U.S. Uh, But I didn't get really serious about Mm -hmm. having, I tried the academic teaching thing over here and it didn't really work out. It, it's just right. a different academic environment here. It is. So in 2018, I actually realized that my consultancy was going to be my primary gig. And oh, it's pretty that. much taken me until now <laughs> to mm-hmm. figure out right. how to make this work. So it has not been an easy journey these last, I would say, three and a half years. And of course, COVID okay. came in, in the middle. Um, right. But COVID for me was actually a gift because Mm -hmm. it it stopped me running around the local area and put me on this, you know, on Zoom Mm -hmm. in the virtual context and helped me realize that I can work with people from anywhere in the world. I have have a client right now in Switzerland. We've never met face to face. Mm -hmm. You know, we we just do everything on Zoom and it, it works. 
So from the standpoint of creating a business model, mine has changed because I realized that for me, it was a waste of time to be running around to local networking events, which I was doing a lot of before the pandemic. Right. And now I have just become a lot more focused Mm -hmm. and, and I just, you know, like you, I mean, a lot of us, we, we pretty much live, um, live on zoom. Right. I love that. And I feel like with what you offer and when we got introduced, I was like, wow, that is such a needed, I mean, needed service because I work with, I mean, being a former recruiter and now running my own career services company, a lot of these individuals, I mean, I get people all the time. They're like, I'm sorry if my English isn't great. I'm sorry, 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 sorry. I'm like, your English is really great. Your resume is better than half of the native English speaking people I work with. Like you're doing really well. And I've had, I had one client, she speaks, oh my God, I think eight languages or something crazy, but it's, it's just such an, I just love what you do and how you kind of offer this to people. But what's kind of either like, how does that look like in a corporate setting of the services you offer? Is it, you know, people looking to get promotions or what did you find kind of the problem in corporate America right now with people who English is a second language and not their first? That's a really good question. And it's interesting that you bring that up because it's only recently that I've recommitted myself to this niche. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the challenges of trying to offer a service to people who are in corporate America is that they're not showing up in the places where we do all our marketing. We, as business owners, we tend to be on LinkedIn. Uh, We post every day. We're supposed to post every day. I fall (laughs) off that wagon once again. Uh, But it's like, how do I get the word out? Sure. First, let me cover the challenges that these people often face. And my target audience are these middle-level managers. If you know about what goes on in companies, middle-level managers have a ton of communication responsibility. Yes. Yep. They have to communicate laterally with their team. They might have to communicate with subordinates, and they definitely have to communicate up to that Mm -hmm. C-suite level to report out, give progress reports on their project, ask for resources, sell a new idea, all of these things. And and all of those things are persuasive communication. It's not just, I mean, reporting out on the project might be more informative. However, there's almost always going to be an element of needing something more, needing that those those upper level people to take an action or get on board and also team members at that lateral level. And what I, what is frequently the issue for these people whose, you know, English could even be their third or fourth language. Right. It's definitely Mm -hmm. not their first. And persuasive communication is always challenging. Even for those of us who are native speakers, creating a persuasive message is always harder than just delivering information. So they, I find that these people end up at a point in their career where in order to get ahead, they have to up their game. It's Mm -hmm. not enough at that point to just speak English in whatever way they speak it, you know, they may speak it well, they may speak it not so well. A lot of people in, in this situation have developed maybe some bad habits in speaking English. They're not using correct grammar. Uh, and, and, you know, some people will say, well, grammar isn't really important. Uh, I beg to differ. <laughs> grammar is a structure of a language. And if you're not right. structuring your sentences 
in the way that they need to be structured for that language, the people who are listening to you are not getting your message the first time. They right. have to interpret. They have to work hard to get what you what you want to say. And as we know, C-suite managers don't want to work that hard. They're not the people who are going to sit there and give you the benefit of the doubt and, oh, well, I think what you want to say is. Right. They want it delivered straight the first time. So that is what I see as the big issue that these people face. And it's I, I help them by attacking both the language issues, which may be there. There may mm-hmm. be some structural issues. Uh, but I also help them understand the culture the cultural differences. Oh, I love that. Yes. Yeah. It's like a com it that's and the benefit that I can bring is moving the needle quickly because we're attacking mm-hmm. both sides. So I right. can very quickly identify the issues when I talk to the person and I hear their situation. I'll figure out what's linguistic and I'll figure out what's cultural. And uh, so I'm teaching them not only sentence structure, but I'm teaching them to structure a message. Right. And I effectively teach them how to pitch. If you think about it, you know, business people pitch all the time. All the time. Yeah. Yeah. Pitch an idea, pitch a project. Uh, This recent client that I had is in, have, she's still a client actually, is in purchasing. She Mm -hmm. pitches how to save money. Right. Every day. Yeah. Every day. And, uh, she was having to have her boss help her structure her presentations, which obviously wasn't her boss's job. Right. Uh, and it was not a good use of her boss's time. After three months of working with me, we presented to her boss and, and her boss was actually amazed. She was like, oh my gosh, that's the most clear presentation I've ever heard you give. This woman's Mexican. Mm-hmm. And so she was putting English words in Mexican sentences and oh, no. in a mix of the two. Right. And her her struck the structure of her message was not linear and it wasn't structured as there is a way to pers- to structure a persuasive message. And she right. didn't know how. So now she knows how and she knows to what's the problem we're solving? What's the solution I've researched? What's it going to save us? In her case that's, you know, boom boom boom. Right. Um, she's learned how to do that. And her sentence structure is getting better. I would say breaking the bad habits of how they're used to speaking is one of the, it's the thing that takes the most time. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Cause it's behavior change. Right. So how does it work kind of full life cycle with the client? Is it like a free or what's it look like? Or how do you identify and kind of get de- deep down into the root of their problems? Cause you're doing, you're doing a lot. Like this is, I mean, you've already given a few client stories and you, you do a ton. So how, what does that look like working with you? It looks like uh, starting out with a deep dive. So in mm-hmm. order for me to help someone become clear, I have to really get into their head and understand their reality. I've got another the client I've got right now in Switzerland is very interesting. He's in the oil and gas trading business. Oh, and he's with a startup that is buying older refineries and okay. revamping them to be more energy sustainable, taking them toward being more sustainable in a couple of different ways. And we started deep diving into his business yesterday, and it's all new to me. 
I'm not an oil and gas specialist. I didn't really think about what refining meant. Right. So I end up learning a ton about whatever industry or business they are in. Uh, with Yasmin, for example, with my client um, in the auto industry, I learned all about the raw materials that mm-hmm. they use in her company because I was helping her structure a presentation on raw materials and how to save money around raw materials. So it always looks like a deep dive at the beginning of me having to learn and them having to explain it to me. Right. So that is an exercise in and of itself because how clearly can they do that? And what are they telling me when? So already in that phase of the process, I begin to get a sense of how good they are at structuring information. Uh, and then we look at, I mean, in, in Yasmin's case, for example, she didn't need to learn how to structure a presentation that's a pitch. Mm-hmm. And actually, in the case of my client in Switzerland, he needs to do the same thing because they are raising money. Oh, okay. So we then start looking, we st- then take this mass of information that they've given me and we start figuring out how to structure it. So we start with, What's the problem that they solve? What's the solution that they offer? And what's the benefit that that solution brings? That's basic pitch structure, that mm-hmm. the arc of that message. And almost everybody needs that. You know, the people that I meet, it's almost never the case that they don't need to learn how to structure something that way. Right. Uh, but like with Yasmin, what I did or what we did is we started with this basic presentation, which was a presentation she'd already given mm-hmm. on raw materials, and we iterated that. So I recorded her giving that presentation at least five times. Wow. And every time we tear it apart. So mm-hmm. we go back and we do it almost line by line. What what would, you know, she listens to it. I listen to it. And then we meet and say, what did you see? And then I tell her what I saw and we go through it and say, all right, how could you have said this more clearly? Or did you hear those three little words you added to the end of the sentence? Oh yeah. You know, that's, I'm not going to do that again. So it helps the client begin to also realize for themselves what's not effective about their communication. It's not just me telling them, it's them hearing it. And then they begin to, to be able to change the behavior. Like Yasmin very quickly said, Oh, I got to stop adding that stuff to the end of sentences. And then she realized it. Yeah. That's awesome. She realized it. And in her daily interactions, she started cutting it out so that then, and then the next time we recorded, There was Mm -hmm. less of that. So it's an iterative process. I might not choose to do that with, like with the client in Switzerland, we're not doing that. We are creating his pitch. But at a certain point, we'll start. He's he's also British. So his first language is English. His issues are more around being an introvert. And he now has to present to clients a lot more than he ever did before in his career. And he gets blocked if there are very many people, either in the room or on Zoom. He gets freaked mm-hmm. out. So we're, I'm working with him on slightly different issues. 
However, it's interesting because in in the conversations we've had around his business and this pitch we're constructing, things are becoming more clear to him as well. Right. So in some cases, I always say I'm the stranger in the room. And oh, I like that. Yeah. I don't know your business. I don't know mm-hmm. what you do. So if you can make me clear about it, if you can get me to understand it, you can get anybody to understand it. And that so is, true. yeah, that's often the value that I bring is being mm-hmm. that sounding board. Uh, for example, yesterday, um, my Swiss client, they're negotiating and I taught negotiation for many years. I taught international negotiation for 12 years at, at um, in Switzerland. And wow. he tells me that, yeah, there's a little something hidden in there. When they discover that, they might not be too happy. And I was like, uh, what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so how important is the relationship with these people? Oh, it's pretty important. You know, it's going to go mm-hmm. on. And I'm like, oh, no. Uh, and they're Russian. The people he's negotiating with are Russian. And I'm like, hmm, that's not going to go over very big. No. Mm-mm. Right. Even you know that. So yes. it's often things that I hear things and I feed them back. And wow, I hadn't thought about that before. So that's also what comes out of it. It isn't necessarily the end goal. But I do work with, we work, we set goals at the beginning. We have KPIs. Okay. You know, how mm-hmm. are we going to know that you're moving the needle on right. like cutting out small words? Well, we're going to hear fewer of them. Right. How are we going to know that we're, you're not umming as much as you were? Well, we're going to hear that. So it's, I'm always very focused. One of the things I have always said is that we, we change our behavior. We change our communication style based on results. Mm -hmm. We look at the result we need. Basically what I do is I teach people an alternative style of communication that they can use when they need a particular result, right? It's not like they're necessary. I'm not trying to change their personality. I'm not trying to turn them into an American, but I am teaching them the communication that will be effective with Americans Mm -hmm. for those moments that they need that. And you're never taught any of this. I mean, negotiation or, and there's nothing uh, that is one of my biggest pet peeves is when people say, um, 5,000 times in a conversation, it's the worst. Cause that's all you focus on. I mean, I have people in some of my networking groups that, um, 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 every two seconds, I'm like, how do you work with clients or how do you pitch to clients when you do this? But yeah, yeah it's I love that impossible. you, right. Because that's all you focus on. But I love that you're working with English speakers as well, or to do that public speaking piece to do that conversation piece. I mean, everyone needs to have presentation skills. I don't care if you're a developer. I don't care if you're a backend employee. You still have to sell what you're doing to a boss, to a client, to who upper management, just like you said. Yeah. So I love that. And I used to be terrible at public speaking. And this is hilarious that I am on a podcast now. I do TikTok. <laughs> I do all the social media. And I'm like, hey, here, here I am. But you, you just have to practice. I mean, my just quick side story my my mom bless her heart when we did um we did a lot of fundraising growing up and she would make me go door to door to ask for donations and that's where I got really good she's like nope you're gonna learn right now and in college I talked in front of 500 people and I was like oh my god I can't do this I can't do this I can't do this but practice you practice with anything at any stage of life so I agree I love that absolutely love that 
Okay. And then what would you kind of turning the tables? Cause I love that you lived in Europe for so long, but what was your most memorable experience when living overseas, whether it was Italy or Switzerland? What did that look like? Oh my gosh. I mean, there isn't just one memorable experience, so I'm many, afraid. Right? Uh, but maybe I can say, you know, what I loved about living in Italy yeah, was perfect. the relational aspect of that culture. And you have that Italian family background yourself. Mm-hmm. When I first met you, I was like, oh my gosh, do you speak Italian? <laughs> I'm working on a Duolingo. I'm doing it every night. I'm trying Brava. eventually. Bravissima. That's wonderful. I have not, I always say, non ce l'ho un goccio di sangue italiano, which means I don't have a drop of Italian blood. I'm very Germanic, actually, by family mm-hmm. background. But Italy is definitely my second language and my second culture because I lived there right. for so long and became very fluent in the language. But what you've got to love about Italy, and you know this, are the people. Yes. It's, it's such a people-oriented culture, and they are so warm. And so, yes. Yes. And interestingly, I, I really took on board their relational way of being. And one of the things that my clients will say is that it's a funny mix. I'm very strict, and I'm sure that's my German side. Um, But I also have this soft relational side. Right. So the strictness is always tempered by a smile, a warmth in the voice. Right. Uh, I just, I'm doing customer discovery right now. And I spoke with an Italian client that I had some years ago now. I helped Mm -hmm. her in a job search process. She's an academic. And she had to do these job talks. And she was really bad at them at the beginning. But one of the, so I have this list of questions. And what did you like working about me, about working with me? And then the next one is, what didn't you like about working with me? And she thought for a moment and she said, well, at the beginning, you were pretty strict. (laughs) You were kind of hard, but then oh I got to know you and I realized mm-hmm. that, you know, you're off also very relational. So that I think for, for Italy, for me was mm-hmm. helping me develop that more relationship oriented side of myself. Of course, right. the other thing you love about Italy is the food. <laughs> oh my gosh. I still dream about it. Everything. I, I I made everyone when we went two years ago, take a pic. Oh God, three years ago now, take a picture of their food. And I oh, look at that book every single time. That's all that food. Yeah. It's wonderful. And and just the, the time they will spend around the table and, right. and the, the, the leisure, take your time with everything. Yeah. Unparalleled. Yes. Which is wonderful. So from there, I went to Switzerland, which is a very Mm -hmm. different culture. And the thing that was missing there was the more relational aspect. The Swiss Mm -hmm. are very organized. Things function well. Okay. Uh, And they're they're lovely. I I don't want to give anyone the impression that the Swiss people aren't nice. However, it is harder to get to know them. It's a little more insular. uh, Mm -hmm. Once you do get to know them and break through that harder exterior, they are lovely and they will, you know, then your family, but they're not, they don't go there quite as quickly or as easily as the Italians. Uh, However, you know, Switzerland was great. I, the efficiency is a time saver. I spent a ton of time on Swiss trains Mm -hmm. because I lived on 
one end of the country and taught in the other end for a couple of years. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. I lived in St. Gallen for the first two years that I was in Switzerland, which is far east. It's the northeast part of the country. But I also had accepted a teaching job in Lausanne, which is southwest. Oh, okay. And, you know, my logic being from the U.S., three and a half hours by train, no big deal. Uh, the the same trip is wow, less you know a little more than to Chicago. Well, right. Uh, but I got a lot of work done on those trains, and I knew just the seat I wanted. I knew where I could plug in my computer, <laughs> put on my headphones. I would just be in my own little world for three and a half hours, and I could do grading and class prep. And so um, I love public transportation in Switzerland. I didn't have a car the entire time I lived abroad. I. I never had a car over there, but in Switzerland, you really didn't need one. It was, Mm -hmm. and you didn't in Italy either, depending on how you wanted to live, but um, it was, so the the efficiency of the Swiss, the beauty, it's to die for gorgeous, like Mm -hmm. Lausanne. I used to take a walk along the lakefront. I walked with my Nordic sticks um, several times a week when I lived in Lausanne and I would walk down on the Lungo Lago, which is the part along the lake. And you've mm-hmm. got this view of the Swiss and the French Alps on this Sounds lake. amazing. And I would just be like, I wonder how long they're going to let me stay here, <laughs> which I had legal issues the whole time I was in Switzerland. So that was challenging, but it was, it, you know, it's a different lifestyle. And I guess Another thing I love about Europe in general is that intimacy. The fact yes. everything's closer together. Mm-hmm. You can walk places. People do set outside in cafes and and have a coffee and talk together. Right. And I I love that, and I will never not love that. It's it was marvelous. Do you ever see yourself living back there someday? You know, I've asked myself that question a lot of times. And I think if I were to go back, I would, it would be Italy just because Italy's easier. And as a retire, I would be a retiree if I went back at this point. Uh, However, I will say it takes a lot of energy to move yourself across the Atlantic Ocean. It, you know, it just from the standpoint of organizing it, and of course, it would be easier this time because I know I would know more. You already did it, right? Yeah, I did it mm-hmm. once, but getting myself back wasn't easy either. So I don't know. I um, don't know that I'll ever have the energy for that again. Sure, but I don't want to exclude the possibility either because it's it's just mad. I don't, I want to say magical. That might diminish how hard it can also be. Right. But I would want to live in a place where I'm fluent in the language. Yes. Yeah, because that just, it gives you such more, so much more entry into the, Mm -hmm. into the, you can build the relationships. That was part of the thing in Switzerland. I never became 100% fluent in French. And there were certain aspects of life there that were not open to me, given that fact. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I, I do think... If you're going to live abroad, if you don't learn the language, you're destined to live in expat communities. Mm-hmm. And that's not really living in the culture. You right. Know? That's, Very different. That's, yeah. You're dabbling. You're dabbling. So I think as American expats, 
there are some places like you could go to Malta Mm -hmm. where they speak English, or you could choose to expatriate yourself in retirement to a place where English is the primary language, but then it's not quite the same experience. When can we expect you? Because when I first met Barbara, I said, you need to, I told you, you need to write a book. (laughs) When are you going to write this book of all of these amazing stories? Because we're wrapping up here soon, but you need to get these stories out here. I mean, every time I talk to you, I'm like, what? I could just sit here and talk to you for days, but <laughs> well, you're you need to, to tell us. <laughs> I know. We're going to. We're going to start tomorrow. Uh, Angela, yes. for those of you listening to this podcast, has offered to listen to me a half an hour a week tell mm-hmm. my story about expatriating myself and living in these different places. And through this dictation almost, we're going to record our conversations and that's going to give me a transcript. And the transcript will form the basis for the book. Um, and, and I want to do it this year. I want this book, the book, I want to launch the book in March of 2023. So we Yay. will make that public. I love that we have this book there. It's you have to do it now. You said I, you it. You have to do it. It's We're going to have now. with the title because I don't have a title yet. But it is, it's a fun story. It, it's there are, and you'll, we'll discover together that there were very hard moments of course, uh, they right. were very. You know, I, I, there were, there was a moment when I thought I was going to get kicked out of Switzerland. <laughs> not, not. Oh, fun. I can't wait to hear this one. Yeah, it's really incredible. Uh, and you know, maybe not all the stories will make it into the book either because they might of not course. all tie together totally. However, it was nineteen, twenty years of my life that I do want to make available. I, I consider it my legacy. It's, it's an inspirational it story. It's a fun story. I took a risk. I kept taking risks. Mm-hmm. And I think people need, you know, people will benefit from reading about that. So thank you for asking. And I look forward to <laughs> telling you my story. I can't wait. I'm so excited. But, and I think, and I love that you said we're not, it's not going to be all sunshine and rainbows. Cause I feel that's a, a lot of stories. It's like, or people even, I mean, back to me of like looking for jobs, like it's so easy, quit your job, start your own company. Everything's so easy. Go live abroad. You have to think about visa. You have to think about all the logistics of coordinating shipping. Like you said, 800 pounds worth of stuff over there and getting it back. So I'm so excited and I can't wait for it all to come together, but me too. I'm excited. I love this, but is there anything else viewers need to know or those listening about you or where, where can anyone find you? You can go to www.boltglobal.com. That's my Mm -hmm. website. And there are lots of opportunities on the website to connect with me. I would love to connect with anyone who's listening, who'd like to know more or has a story to tell me. I think that would be fascinating. So go to my website and you will find me for sure. Awesome. Well, I'm so excited. Barbara, thank you so much for being on this podcast. You've been lovely. And yeah, we'll stay tuned to the next one. If you're looking for a career change and you're not sure where to start, the Resume Rescue can help. Sure, there's no such thing as the perfect fit for everyone. But here at the Resume Rescue, we're on a mission to find the perfect solution for you. Whether it's changing careers, updating a resume, learning LinkedIn, or practicing interviewing, we have you covered. Find us online at theresumerescue.com and find all of our contact info in our show notes.